0: John chapter 5 and verse 8. The last time I was here, and by the way, let me just pause and say this. Pastor Michael Hayes. My wife and I got a chance, as I always do after the service, to, to listen to the service, to the message. And initially I was just listening and multitasking as we were in Pine Forge last week and Man, as he got to the meat of his message and began to share his story, Come on. man, I, I, I mean, just, the emo- we were overcome with emotion. Yeah. Um, just to, And this was the first time that Mike has shared his experience. Now, let me tell you how good God is. Can I tell you this real quick? Yeah. Mike got a call. He didn't know it. Mike got a call after he shared his testimony here ah. that his former conference employer, wants him to come and share his story with all of the pastors in that conference in the month of June. Mike was, I, I, I'm just, can I make some sense of this? When you tell your testimony and your story, sometimes the enemy tries to prevent you from doing that because you're ashamed of stuff that you've been through and stuff you've done. One of the things I've discovered, especially I noticed as a pastor, brothers and sisters, I wish you knew what I knew. All y'all going through the same stuff all of you. I'm just telling you, everybody in here is dealing with the same stuff and sometimes we feel like we're the only ones. But man, God opened this door. He tested him last Sabbath and then immediately opened up a door for him to share his testimony. Oh man, it's rare that people get second chances like that. But only God. Only God. We serve a God of second, third, fourth, fifth, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th chances. If you know what I'm talking about, somebody say praise the Lord. 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 So that was a powerful word. And so I want to continue in the vein that we've been teaching on, on Jesus full of grace and truth. I preached a few Sabbaths ago on John chapter 5, and I want to continue part 2 of that. Let's go. John chapter 5 and verse 8. John chapter 5 and verse 8. Dealing with the man that was healed at the pool of Bethesda, this invalid All this time I've been saying invalid, but you know invalid is just a different pronunciation of saying invalid. Invalid. And that's how the enemy wants us to feel about our shortcomings and our stuff. I appreciate that prayer, Brother Paul Farrington. How many of you got stuff out there? How many of you got stuff? And the enemy will use discouragement to get you to focus on your stuff. But when the enemy does that, you ought to rebuke him in the name of Jesus and talk about what God has done in your life and how he has saved you. God loves you more than anything else in this world. John chapter five and verse eight. And this is what the Bible has to say to us. It says, then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once, the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was the Sabbath. Uh oh. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, now "This is uh, every time I read this, I laugh out loud. It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat." Now I get that they feel like he broke the rule. Now he's going to explain why. Watch this. The Bible says in verse 11, but he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. In other words, he's saying, man, I I got healed. I got healed. I got delivered. So he told me to pick up my mat. I thought that that would have been sufficient for them. But notice the response. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick up and pick it up and walk? The man who was healed had no idea who it was. He had no idea who it was for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Verse 14. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. Verse verse, verse, uh, 15. The man went on, the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now, verse 16, so Je- so because Jesus, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him in his defense. Jesus said to them, my father is always at work. <laughs> uh, how many know God's still working? Amen. You better be glad he didn't stop. To this very day, I like it. He said, my father is always at work. And he said, to this very day, I too am working. Verse 18, for this reason, they tried all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. I want to teach on a subject this morning entitled Divergent. Divergent. Will you say that for me? Say divergent. 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 The, the word divergent basically is, is just defined as different, as different. There's actually a movie out right now. It's a series They can start off with divergent, went to insurgent. But the opposite or the antonym of divergent is the word convergent. And convergent simply means, uh, it, it gives the idea of one who just, who, who operates within confined space who, or who operates in the conventional, in the conventional way. Divergent, however, means different. people. uh, It describes people who think outside of the box, if you will. Now, what I'm discovering, especially as I've been studying God's word and preparing for this series, is that most of our problems, hear me now, hear me now. Most of our problems are perceptual. What did I say, everybody? They're what? Most of our problems are perceptual. The solution isn't doing something different. It's thinking about the problem differently. Let me say that one more time. Most of our problem is perceptual. It's conceptual. It's mental. And a lot of times we think if I, all I've got to do is just change my behavior. And if I change my behavior, then I'll change my problem. You follow what I'm saying? Case in point, you want to lose weight. Now, if I said that I want to lose weight, some of you might be offended by that, but you don't see what I see when I look in the mirror and what's under this shirt, but it doesn't look like it looked when I got here. I just put it like that. And I wanted to make a change. So I decided to, I decided to do a change of behavior. Our brother Whitehead gave me some videos that I could use to work out with. And so I, I, I've been working out. And, and, and the other day, my wife, God bless her heart, she has, and I bragged to her that I have been faithfully working out now for about five weeks and she noticed that there was minimal change in my physique, even though I had been working out for five weeks. And, 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 it, and it occur, I was insulted a little bit. And, and, and it, occur, it, it occurred to me at that moment that although I had changed my behavior, I had not really changed how I thought about my health. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's like, you know, those of us who jump on a diet, will lose it, and then we'll get it back simply makes the point that our problem is not behavioral, our problem is mental. Do you follow what I'm saying here today? Okay, I it's a little quiet. Okay, so, so, so what I'm learning now about most of my problems and most of your problems, we could fix most of our stuff, not if we simply just try to alter a behavior, but we've got to learn how to think differently about how we do what we do. The Bible says, as a man... <sighs> Thinketh in his heart, so is he. According to research of Ralph Smith, this is in the book, The Grave Robber by Mark Batterson, children ask 125 probing questions per day. Children, they ask 125 probing questions per day. Can I have this? Can I have that? Why is it this? My kid, Oh, listen, my, my daughter asked me something the other day about the Bible that I had no answer for. Had no answer for it. And listen, what I'm learning to do as I'm learning to say, I don't know. I don't know. But kids, ask those questions. Come on in here, somebody. Anybody heard, ever heard a child? I know your kids don't ask this because your kids are so much different than everybody else's. But does anybody else have any real kids that ask why? How? And you don't have the answer. So kids ask about 125. Now, that means that now adults, on the other hand, ask only six probing questions per day. Only six. Kids 125, adults 6. That means that somewhere between childhood and adulthood, we lose 119 questions per day. At some point, he says, most of us stop asking questions and start making assumptions. Oh, I'm on to something here. If you would listen, you'd get something here today. I promise you, if you would just listen for a few minutes and change how you approach this moment, then you get some here today. In other words, as we get older, we think we know more. Now, the truth of the matter is, is we do know more. But I've discovered that as I have learned more, I'm actually learning that I don't know as much as I thought I know. Anybody that amasses a great wealth of knowledge We'll tell you, I remember the first time I set foot in my doctoral program, my professor who has got two doctorates and a bunch of masters and all them letters behind his name says that learning information is only revealed to him that he don't know nothing. But somewhere between childhood and adulthood, we start operating based on assumption and based on history versus imagination and creativity. Now, uh, there are some tests out there. I want them to get ready that slide for me because I I want you all to see something. There are some creative tests that will test whether somebody is divergent. In other words, whether somebody is creative, whether somebody thinks outside of the normal way of doing things. And and they also have tests to find out whether people are convergent, if they are are more more orthodox and, and rigid in their pursuit of knowledge. And so they actually use these tests to determine if people are going to be good employer and em- employees. And one of the things I'm learning right now is it's not really your grades and stuff like that that's going to make the difference in terms of you getting a job. Uh, people really don't too much care anymore that much if you went to Harvard or Cleveland State, especially if you start working and they realize that you have issues with relationships with people. The value of your education is not based on how much you know, but based on how much you can take what you know and make it applicable in situations. So what the world is really looking for right now is problem solvers. So, uh, so, so basically, people who operate on assumptions all the time either assume that they know or they complain a lot about why things aren't different, but they lack the ability to present solutions to the current crisis. All right, all right, we'll keep talking about this for a minute. So let me give you a couple examples. I'm going to give you a riddle. They use this riddle sometimes to test to see if people are convergent or divergent thinkers. Here's a riddle. A man has married 20 women in a small town. All of the women are still alive and none of them are divorced. The man has broken no laws. Who is This man, divergent thinker, preacher, preacher, priest. He's married 20 people, huh? but he hasn't broken any laws. It's the pastor. How many knew it was the pastor? Raise your hand. How many knew it? Divergent thinkers. Actually, they say that this test is for people who are actually more creative when they're sleepy. So that means some of y'all are sleepy right now. There's a reason why I use that one. (laughs) All right, let me give you another one. They also use this test called the Guilford Task test. This reminds me of my daughter a lot. My daughter likes to use things in the house that are used for, for certain things, but she will turn them into toys. And so this is called the brick test. And they ask people, how many possible uses can you get out of a brick? Tell me, hmm, six, that's not a number, what can you do with a brick, somebody tell me, if somebody gave you a brick, what could you do with it, somebody build a house, put a facade on a building, what else, huh, who, drive a nail, blah, 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 all right, they said that, they said, that, huh, hit somebody in the head, diversion thinker, they said, now, you know what this test actually reveals? It doesn't reveal who will be a great lawyer who, or who will be a great politician or something. It reveals who will be a, a, a Nobel Peace Prize winner. They said Nobel Peace Prize winners are, are, are solution-oriented, and they think outside the lines to create solutions. And so they said that the answer that reveals the most creativity are generally the answers where people use bricks for stuff that they're not intended for. So one person said that they used the brick as an imitation um, casket for a Barbie house. Another one is, is you use a brick to beat somebody up with. Or one says you use a brick to break a window and rob a bank. Seriously, the people who answer like that are divergent thinkers. And generally these people register high on IQ tests. And listen. A lot of time, and listen. We live in a society that says, "Think like this, do it like this, stay within these parameters." And if you are different and you stand out and you look different, you are then you are not one of us. Which means you don't fall on our scale as somebody significant. But most of the tests are showing now, and I'm telling you, they're testing not so much for IQ anymore, but they're testing for EQ. Which is emotional intelligence. Can people control themselves? Do people have integrity? Do people know how to work in groups? And what they're discovering is that people that think differently, Steve Jobs. Most of the stuff that you have is because somebody thought differently. You know why they're still, uh, 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 th- back in the day, there used to be train, there used to be like these, everybody, that was all about the train, all about the railroad, and then somebody named Ford, and somebody named some other folks said, why do not we got to keep doing this? Let's design a car. And so what has become normal at first was an out-of-the-box idea. All right, put that, put that slide on the screen. Let me show them this. I just want to illustrate this real quick. Now, you know the phrase that says out, out of the box. You know, everybody's saying that now. They think out of the box. Well, out of the box idea came from this little graph here. How many, how many dots are on there, everybody? Huh? There are nine, all right? Very good. You can count. There are nine. Now, this, here it is, because I don't know if I'm divergent, but I'm going to tell you this. The phrase thinking outside the box is a well-used metaphor that means to think differently. Its origins trace back to the nine-dot puzzle that we see right there employed by management consultants to teach counterintuitive problem solving. If you you perform the puzzle, you know it's easily solved, but it often seems impossible to those who ain't been initiated, all right? To solve the puzzle, are y'all ready for this? Participants are told to connect nine dots that form a square by drawing four straight lines without lifting their pencil from the paper. The conundrum is this. If you stay within the boundaries of the box, it's impossible. All right, so go to the next slide. Now, I tried this before, and it didn't work. But this is the answer to complete it. Now, when I did it, I was thinking only within the square. But people who are divergent in their thinking, they said this. says that they imagine lines that are not there. I want to say that one more time. People that are able to solve this see stuff on paper that's not there. Say that one more time. People that are able to see, hold on, I can do this thing. The only way you can do this is you gotta think outside the rules. You gotta think outside of the parameters. Ah, help me now. One of the reasons, I'm just trying to set this thing up. One of the reasons I love Jesus is because Jesus was a divergent thinker. He is the epitome of thinking outside the box. As a matter of fact, Jesus didn't think outside the box. He blew it up. Everything people have been taught about God, everything people have been taught about church. Every, am I telling the truth? Everything that they had assumed was righteous and religious when Jesus showed up, he shifted the paradigm. And so in particular, in this passage in John the fifth chapter, This is really not a story so much about a man getting miraculously healed after being an invalid for 38 years. The Bible says that he comes, he heals this man who is living sick in the confines of the rules. In other words, it's the Sabbath because he's sick, he can't be in the temple because he's sick. He has to be by a, he has to be by a pool and he can't get into the pool because he's not fast enough. So the rules and the circumstances actually restrict him from experiencing what his life needs. Jesus shows up and thinks totally differently than everybody else. Jesus doesn't say, let me get him in the water. Let me get him nearer to the pool. Jesus says, I got an idea that's totally out of the realm of what you've seen. How about this? Just get up. Just stand up. This is the only healing in the Bible where Jesus actually doesn't even require faith. Hear me now. The rule is that you ought to get a miracle when you have faith. But Jesus can operate outside of the lines. The rule was that you were not supposed to heal people on Sabbath. It had gotten that bad. Well, they had actually, now, I mean, I'm kind of amazed by that because as we taught you last, a couple Sabbaths ago, the very purpose of the Sabbath was grace. That's why God gave the Sabbath to a couple he created on Friday. And the Sabbath is the idea of rest. Why would I need rest if I hadn't done no work? Because the Sabbath points to God's grace in our life, that God gives us stuff we don't deserve, that God gives us blessings we've not worked for, that God provides for our needs when we've not prayed for it, that God works miracles in our lives when we don't deserve it. And the very essence of Sabbath was my grace. I'm going to give you a rest before you labor. I'm going to give you a blessing before you ask for it. But they had taken the Sabbath and made the Sabbath all about rules. So that a man who got healed had broken the rule because he carried the thing that had been carrying him. In other words, here's my thing like when you see a miracle like that, why do you get mad when you see a miracle? They have literally, they looked at the man who had been healed and looked at the rule that had been broken and they didn't get excited because the man was healed. They got mad because the rule had been broken. Oh, can I say, can I say something to you today? Can I say something to you today? How many of us are missing the supernatural moves and miraculous power of God in our lives because we are so blinded by our way of thinking that even though there's a miracle and an opportunity right in our face, we can't even see it because of the way that we think. Can I take it a step further? Not only did they miss a miracle, they missed the Savior. Oh, come on in here, saints. Let me teach this thing for a minute. How is it that they, and we are talking, I told you, I've instructed you over and over again, that the Pharisees and the religious leaders were the most astute in Bible knowledge. Most of us in here couldn't touch them on the word of God and their study of the word. And this is a good point parenthetically to encourage you, get in your word. Be in the word. But even if you're in the word... And you don't know him, it's possible to know the Bible and not know him. Now watch this now. These guys prided themselves on studying the very prophecies that would tell them when Christ would come. When Christ shows up, they don't even recognize him. How does it happen, and I want to to get personal now, how does that happen that God is standing right in front of you? God is all around you. God is working. Hear me, y'all. Hear me, hear me. For many of us, the Spirit of God has been doing stuff all around us, all inside of us, and we cannot even not only recognize the miracle We can't even recognize the Messiah. Okay, 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 okay. They loved rules more than they loved the restoration of lives. The Pharisees missed a miracle that was right in front of their eyes because they couldn't see past their human traditions. They couldn't see past their personal experience. In other words, sometimes we can get to a place where we use our experience as the guiding point for everything that happens in life. Yeah. And what happens is you become so narrow-minded that when God shows up in a different way. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you now, I told, God, I told you Jesus is divergent. I, For most of you, he is going to intentionally approach you in a way that you least expect it to test to see if it's really about him or if it's about you. Believe me when I tell you this. He is not going to come in your life in a way that you are expecting him. Look at the Pharisees. They were expecting a king. They were expecting royalty. They were expecting riches. What did Jesus do? He said, I'm not coming that way. I'm coming as a baby. I'm coming from the ghetto. I'm coming poor. I'm coming in a mother who does not have a husband yet. I'm coming with the worst of the worst as my disciples. I'm coming with a message of hope and of love and of grace and not of condemnation and of justice. And I'm telling you, I'm concerned today that the body of Christ has gotten so fixated on routines, has gotten so fixated on traditions, has gotten so fixated on rules, has gotten so fixated on a rigid way of doing things, that if God showed up differently in your lives, you would not be able to recognize him. Ellen White says this. She says, Satan, please don't miss this. Yeah, yeah. She says, Satan intentionally, from the time after 40, remember 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus was, uh, was, was being tempted, right? Yeah. Satan literally convinced himself that I'm going to kill him in those 40 days. So after Jesus at his, oh, this is good, at his weakest moment, yeah. could not be overcome by Satan in his most powerful moment. Oh, wow. mm. Jesus at his weakest is always stronger than Satan at his strongest. And here's the thing, because Satan could not overcome him, Sister Radney, in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights, he vowed to himself that he was going to, and these are the words Ellen says, she said he would mature his strategy. She says that his strategy now would be not to attack him to to his face, but to then work through the church. What? No, no, no. Hold on. I ain't said nothing yet. Satan says, I'm not going to attack him, but I'm going to work through a false idea of church. To discourage him. The reason why the Pharisees and religious leaders were chosen is because the devil knows when you choose leaders, leaders have influence. Most people don't think for themselves. Most people think based on what somebody told them to think. I told you that I'm on a journey right now where God has me in his word and God is saying, Myron, I'm tired of you repeating and rehearsing things that you heard somebody else tell you and I need now for you to come to know me for yourself. I want you to quote scriptures not because you heard them quoted. I want you to quote it because you learned it yourself. I want you to talk about me not something based on what some preacher said but I want you to talk about me based on where I brought you. Where I've taught you No, hear me now hear me saints nobody can take away your testimony nobody can take away your experience with god hear me today if you will come not to simply rehearse stuff because somebody taught you But get to a place in God where you know him for yourself. Hear me, hear me, hear me. I'm telling you now, we are at a time in earth's history where there's so much stuff coming at you. So much information being transmitted. So many people talking. And don't think for a minute that Satan is not behind it. He wants to overload our minds with as much foolishness as possible so that we are not able to see the hand of God at work in our lives even though God is right with us. Y'all don't hear me today. Holy Spirit told me the other day is when you operate based on assumptions, he says you complain a lot. Complainers are losers. Complainers are losers because they can never win. You know why they can never win? Because they always shortchange the work of God in their lives because they talk themselves out of what God could be doing. Some of you are complaining about your wives. My God, I know she got issues, but you don't even realize that the Lord put that woman in your life to save your behind, and God is using her to help you, but you can't see it because your focus is so on what's not working. Some of you are ashamed of your own children. And God is using your prodigal son and daughter to save you. You think that your child acting wild? Is this all about God trying to save them? I've discovered that. Oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. Oh, y'all, y'all don't want y'all don't, to yell on Ain't no, y'all, y'all ain't going through nothing in here. I'm talking to a bunch of folk who are in heaven already. Where, where are my folk in here that will just be... Come on, make your boy feel at home for a minute. Do you feel me today? Won't God come in your life and shift some stuff, get you, make you think you're going this way, and then he'll turn it on you and just so that you don't lean to your own understanding? Hey. Now, the Holy Spirit dropped something in my spirit the other day, Sister Hawkins. He said to me, he says, do not trust yourself. He said, stop acting like you know when you don't. Do you realize that this whole situation is predicated on the Pharisees thinking they know it all? Can Can I break that down to you? They misunderstood the miracle. I mean, how are you going to get mad when somebody get blessed? I don't know how straightforward I should be. I Listen, I know that everything is not always right. Help me, Lord. Everything is not always done right. Mistakes are made by you. Uh, Do I have my church listening to me? And others. Get over it. Get. If you waste your energy in your life on the negative, your life's going to pass you by. And here's the first problem. You will have wasted your own life because other people won't do things right and you would have made yourself a loser because you complain and don't give suggestions of solutions. Oh my God, you're not hearing me. If we would learn to see what God is doing, I mean, I'll go with him. Yeah, he's not keeping the Sabbath the way you want him to. But did he not just get healed? You walked by him for 38 years and couldn't do what Jesus just did. Don't hate on him because he worked a miracle that you couldn't work. Why don't you celebrate what God just did? And I'm telling you, God is saying to me, Myron... There is a supernatural. Most of us live, we live in the natural so much that when supernatural things happen, we don't even know it. Some of us are praying for. Some of us have asked God, save me. Anybody ever pray that prayer? And then when God comes in, in a way that you do not expect him to move, you begin to get discouraged and despondent and start living in negative miasma of mediocrity and disappointment. And what God is saying is you prayed that I would increase your faith. You prayed that I would move in your life. Now that I send something that you do not expect, you all of a sudden start giving it credit to the devil. It's me. I'm answering your prayer. It's me. I'm trying to save your life. It's me. The miraculous is happening all around us and we need to open up our eyes so that we can see the work of God. Now watch this. Man gets healed. Man picks up his mat. Man's shouting. Man's dancing. So what does he do? The Bible says he goes to church. Didn't you want him? Tell to the religious leaders. Isn't that where you want him? So because he shows up and he doesn't show up the way you would show up, and doesn't look the way you would want him to look, and doesn't keep Sabbath the way that you keep Sabbath, you are more upset that he's got his mat rather than he got the Messiah. All right. I don't know what to do. Now, let me tell you, First uh, Corinthians 8-2 says, those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know. Translation, the Bible is saying, the minute you think you know it, you don't. The best place we can be in as Christians. Now, here's something you should never say as a Christian. I can't. You know why? Because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ. Amen? But this is what you should say all the time. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's a text for that too. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And see, see, see. This is what what most of us do. Let me show you how the Pharisees did it. Okay, okay. In their mind, because we know Jesus didn't break. First of all, can Jesus break the Sabbath? No, I'm sorry. Is it can Jesus break the Sabbath? So why would they accuse Jesus of breaking the Sabbath? Huh? Why would they accuse Jesus of breaking the Sabbath? The Bible says, he said, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. Amen? How can you accuse Jesus of breaking the Sabbath? Because you're a convergent thinker. You only think it can be done one way. And so when God himself, who made the Sabbath, shows up and operates the Sabbath the way it ought to be operated, you can't even see it. Because you're more loyal to your way of thinking than you're loyal to a move of God. And so this is what they did. So because he broke the Sabbath, the Bible says they sought to kill him. Let me ask you a question. Okay, let's give give him that. Jesus broke the Sabbath. But now you broke the commandment that says thou shalt not kill. No, you went homicidal. And I'm going to tell you, this is an issue I've noticed in my life and in the body of Christ. We separate We love to compartmentalize. Listen to me, y'all. Please hear me. This is what we like to do. We like to go to church and be spiritual. And then when we get on Facebook, then when we're on Instagram, when we're on Twitter, when we're at work, when we're up late watching TV, Uh, Why ain't nobody talking to me? Am I telling the truth? Like, thank you, brother. I mean, like, we like to, or or, or how about this? And this is, this is, especially us us people. Us people, you know what I'm talking about. So, look, we're going to leave God right over there. Because the way you just treated me. matter, Matter of fact, when I come out of the sanctuary, and when the sun sets, Oh, you just wait till I'm done my devotions. As soon as I'm done, I'm coming to kick your behind. You're lost. You're lost. You don't even get it. Because I don't pick and choose when I live for Christ. When Christ comes in your life, he owns everything. He owns your Facebook page. He owns your Twitter page. He owns your mind. He owns your money. He owns your car. He owns your bed. He owns your television. He owns your phone. He owns your nasty mouth. He owns your body. Oh, y'all not hearing me. He owns your body. He owns your breasts. He owns your behind. He owns your sexual appendage, my brother. Oh, y'all don't want to pray in here today. It's getting too real in here. He owns your hair. He owns your nose. He owns your eye. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this today. He owns your shoes. He owns your shirts. He owns your everything. He owns your house. When, when, when Christ comes in our life, he is not settling for a day-to-day relationship. He wants a relationship with you where he is in total control of your life all the time, including the Sabbath. I'm done. So their narrow thinking caused them to reject Christ. They knew too much. And so Jesus says, let me make this plain. (laughs) In John, the fifth chapter, after he had let them run their mouths, he said, okay, Can I speak on my own defense? He says, uh, let me explain to you what just happened here. He said, the father is always working. (laughs) Mm -mm 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 -mm. Y'all not even ready for what's about to go down. The father is always working. He said... And I, too, am going to work. He said, to this very day. Can I break down what Jesus just said to him? He said, God's work don't stop. What if, I'm going to take my seat. What if God operated within the rules. Wow. I know things have to be done a certain way. I don't and, and most people think I'm preaching in code. I'm not. But I want to ask you this question. What if God, he said, I'm always working. He said, me and my daddy, we always working. He said, we don't take a break on Sabbath. Matter of fact, we got to go to work on Sabbath. He said, see, you done worked all week, and now you're resting on Sabbath. It's time for me to go to work on you. You see, that's the beauty of Sabbath. And by the way, let me just say this parenthetically. You can't even, it's hard to appreciate the Sabbath if you ain't working. Now, I'm not saying being employed. I'm talking about being busy. See, when you've been resting all week, come on in here, Somebody. It's hard to appreciate a moment where you can be still and know that He is God. See, the, the Sabbath is rough because, see, this is a day where we're supposed to pause and look at our lives. It's a day where, now don't miss me on this because we got a lot of stuff going on on Sabbath. Our stuff is on the other extreme in 2015. But remember now, the Sabbath was not designed simply for us to continue what we've been doing all week. The Sabbath, God said, look, do what you want for six days, but give me one day to work on you. He said, I've been working all week, but I need a day where I can work on you. And I love his point. He says, look, me and the Father, we're always at work. We don't stop working. Can you imagine for a minute if God only operated within the confines of what we call the right way and the rules? Do you realize that grace itself is outside of rules? If God were to deal with us based on the ritual, based on the law, do you not know where you would be? Can you imagine if God held you to the same standard that you hold other people to? Hey! I don't know about you, but I love what Daryl Coley said. See, you can't put that stuff on Jesus and say you got to do it this way and you got to do it that way. Uh-uh. You know, do you know who you're dealing with? We are dealing with the great I am. We are dealing with El Shaddai. We are dealing with Jehovah Nietzsche. We are dealing with Jehovah Canoe. We are dealing with a God who is Jehovah Jireh. Without business, I ain't trying to hype you. I'm trying to tell you something. He is sovereign. That's what Daryl said. Daryl said he can do whatever he wants to. If we take the prerogative of God out of his hands, when we mess over people that He's whose lives he's working in in a way that doesn't look right to us, we are essentially saying, I know better than God. But I don't know about you today. I'm so glad he didn't follow the rules in my life. I want to bless his name right now. That the law said, kill him. The law said he lied, he ought to be killed. For the Bible says, lying lips are an abomination unto the Lord. The word of God says that an adulterer ought to be stoned. That should have been me. The Bible says that the murderers and, and the, the cowards have their place in the lake of fire. But God looked past the law. He heard. And he gave me what I've been preaching for the past several weeks to get you to embrace. He gave me grace. 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 By its very virtue, means that he operates outside of the rules. It means that he operates outside of the laws. In other words, he. <laughs> In other words, he does not deal with Myron Edmonds the way that he deserves. But he. <laughs> he deals with me. Based on loving kindness and and tender mercies. and, And the Bible says that his mercies are new. If God stopped working, then the sun would stop shining and we'd all freeze to death. If God stopped working, the, the oceans would stay in their place and the ecological systems would fall apart and, and, and universes and, 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 and planets would collide into each other. If, if God at this moment right now decided to take his hands off the four winds of the earth that the Bible says that the angels are holding back the winds of strife so that the servants of God are sealed in their foreheads But but, but I see the angel coming up saying, hold the winds until Myron is right. Don't judge him on his own righteousness. Don't deal with him as he deserves. Don't treat him the way he treats us, Lord Jesus. How many can admit today that you know you don't do God right? Oh, come on and where am I saying have I got anybody in here that knows if God had treated you as you deserved, you'd be lost and looked over and forgotten about. But I'm so glad that he looked beyond my fault. And he saw my needs God keep on working I'm done with y'all I'm getting ready to take to my seat but can I talk to him for a minute keep on working Father keep on moving Father don't let me stop you from doing what you want to do don't let my attitude keep you from blessing who you want to bless don't let my lack of faith keep you from working how you want to work Father have your way Father do what you want to do Father, go where you want to go. Father, move how you want to move. Oh, I bless God right now. Oh, thank you, Lord. I had to ask myself, oh, y'all forgive the emotion. I don't care what you forgive me or not. I, look, y'all. I am blessed. I'm blessed. I don't. Hey. I don't have what I want, but I certainly I got more than I deserve. As we get ready to pray, I. As we get ready to pray, I, you know, I, James, I saw something in this text that I did not see before. Now, the scripture says, after Jesus healed this man, I don't know if you've seen this, Rudd. This is what the scripture says. It says that he went and snitched on Jesus to the Pharisees. You know how they found Jesus? He didn't testify. Jesus went to him and said, if you keep doing what you're doing, something worse is going to happen to you. The Bible then says, then he went and told the Pharisees, there he is right there. Did Jesus just heal a man that he knew wouldn't even serve him? That's operating outside the rules. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching that we should disobey. What I'm talking about is, is when God gets ready to bless us, he doesn't have to bless us in a way that we want him to. And most of the time, if you are blessed, you're blessed in spite of you. So uh, this message is for, for two people. Two people the first person, you can only see one way out of your situation. please hear me, listen to me, or you, you have a predicament or a situation, and you can only see one, but for most of us, we see no way out. We feel hopeless, we feel powerless. May I submit to you that God 's got a thousand ways to solve your problem look around you your miracle could be in front of you second person I want to talk to these are folk who know too much like the past you know too much you got an answer for everything The the Lord wants to humble you today the Lord wants to humble you today the Lord wants to humble you as he is humbling me to number one not to trust yourself ever again Number two, to come to a place of humility where instead of saying, I think I know, to say, Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing. Is there a person you fall in one of those categories?